Welcome to the Reader House Author Roundtable, where authors from all walks of life come together to discuss the trials, tribulations, and triumphs of publishing their books. I'm your host, Corey Graham. Join us here every Friday night at 8 p.m. or listen anytime via podcast at Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, and PodServe, to name just a few. The Author Roundtable is sponsored by Reader House Online Bookstore, where the independent new authors come first. Sitting down with me right now here at the Reader House Author Roundtable is author Lewis Greenwald, PT. Lewis, thank you for being here with me tonight. Oh, thanks a lot. Like to congratulate you on getting a new book out there right now. People can pick it up everywhere. It's called Sunday's Sin, A Conspiracy to Fix the Big Game. Why did Bucci Jones have to die? So could you tell us all what this is about? Well, it's kind of complicated. It's a fictional book. It's a murder mystery. It's about football. It's about an individual who comes from the ghetto and makes it to the big game and things go wrong and he's assassinated. Hmm. Lewis, what kinds of readers do you think would be really into this book? Uh, you know, I don't know. I think people that like murder mysteries, I think people that like football for sure. Mm. There's some stuff in there about sports medicine. I am a physical therapist, so there's some stuff in there for them. There's some stuff about money laundering, gambling on sports, greed. Um, there's some stuff for people of faith. I talk about the main character, how he comes to Jesus, I guess you would say. It's kind of crazy. <laughs> mm, it sounds like a lot of good stuff. Uh, you got to tell me, where'd you get the idea for this? Oh, that's that's a long time. I would say it went back 25 years ago. Uh, mm. My football team lost a big game. I was upset. I thought something was wrong. And so I thought I'd just write a kind of a what I called a dummy book, one that we would pick up at the news store, read on the airplane. If it was good, you'd keep it. If it wasn't good, you'd throw it away. Mm. And then, of course, my wife, who is my conscience, said, if you're going to put your name on a book, shouldn't you make it something worthwhile mm. <laughs> and make it tougher? <laughs> I think the main thing is greed. I'm concerned. I'm a big sports fan. I've been a physical therapist. I've been doing sports medicine for 50 years. I've been on the sidelines of oh, literally thousands of high school and college football games. And I see how money's become involved, how people are, you know, sports have become such a big business. Money's become such a big thing. And the greed that's involved with it, people are all greedy now. And I thought it was harming the sports. So I wrote a kind of expose. It's set in the future. Hopefully it'll never happen when I write. So I kind of wrote it to warn people that it shouldn't happen. Mm. Now, have you ever done anything like this before when it comes to writing or publishing? No, I'm, I'm, I'm not a writer at all. I'm a, <laughs> I'm a physical therapist. I've been doing it forever. I've had a lot of success. I've had big clinics. I've had great practice and I'm not a writer at all. In fact, my grammar was so terrible that my wife became my conscience and she's a brilliant grammar person and corrected corrected before I sent my manuscript in, and so that's how it came about. So this book was quite a long time in the making. How did it feel when you got that first copy in your hands, finally? Oh, it was, it was amazing. It was, it was like, it was for real. You know, mm. for a long time, it was just in my mind, and then, of course, it was on paper, and then for a while, I saved it. I did, there were years I didn't even work on it. I just kind of put it away, 
because I was busy in my practice. I was busy in my life. Now that I've got a little bit older and kind of slowed down my my professional life a little bit and had time to do it, I, I went to finish it. It was easy when I started. I mean, writing was fun. It was fun to make up things. And, and it's all about fiction. So it's fun to make things up. Uh, I put people in it that were in my past that were real people that I made into fictional characters. It was fun. But then, of course, when it came to the end and I had to really fix it or complete it, it became kind of hard work and it, mm-hmm. I toiled on it. But it eventually became fun. And now I'm now I'm kind of hooked. I like, <laughs> I like writing. I like doing it. That's fantastic. What are the chances of a sequel to this or maybe a different kind of book in the future? Well, people have talked about a sequel already. Some of my friends have. I haven't figured out how I'll do a sequel, actually. Hmm. It is ripe for a sequel. It could be be a good sequel. I'm actually in the process now of writing two books at the same time, which is really crazy. Oh, wow. One of them is for my grandson. He's about 9 or 10 now, and it's a kid's anatomy book. Hmm. It's a book for kids. Hopefully, I'll get that done. That's the easy one because I anatomy and the human body is easy for me. Uh, I think it's a great creation. I am a Christian. I am a believer. I believe that in creation, and I think the body is a major creation. So that's an easy one. The other one I'm writing is a little bit of a another thing I'm concerned about, and that is how health insurance has taken over the healthcare industry. Mm. I remember when I first started in healthcare, healthcare was relatively inexpensive, not inexpensive, but less expensive. And health insurance companies were wonderful. They paid the bills, they helped out. But now it seems that every time you turn around in healthcare, you're getting second guess. I'm talking about the fact that health insurance might not be so good for our health, but mm. The book is called Sunday's Sin, A Conspiracy to Fix the Big Game. Why Did Bucci Jones Have to Die? It's written by Lewis Greenwald, PT, and it's published by Newman Springs Publishing. You can buy this everywhere, like at Amazon and at Barnes & Noble, on iTunes, and traditional brick-and-mortar stores, too. Lewis, thanks again for joining me here tonight. I had a really nice time talking with you. Thanks a lot. Thanks a lot. That Which is Forbidden. It's the new book that's out right now in stores. It's by D. Jeremy Dorado, which is the pen name of Elaine. I'm speaking with Elaine here right now at the Reader House Author Roundtable. Elaine, thank you so much for being here. Well, thank you so much for having me. Congratulations for having this book out. Now, uh, That Which is Forbidden, can you tell me a little bit about it? Well, it's almost like today. It's a little scary. I wrote this is a prequel to a six-series book. Hmm. And the other books are about after a virus, but this book precedes everything and tells you a little bit about how the virus got started. It's a virus that causes hemorrhaging. It's not like really our virus right now, but it's it's an old book. It's an old story from 1988 that I wrote. My daughter heard it and she said, she was just a little kid. She said, where's the rest of the story, mom? Mm. I said, okay, I'll write the rest of the story. And I've, I put it aside for a while. And then, I don't know, in the early 2000s, I picked it up again and thought, okay, I'll write the story. And then just last year, I thought, I'll write the prequel. It needs an explanation of what all happened, how the virus got loose, and you know how the people are trying to fight it, and how they're fighting each other, much like we have today. And it was so emotional. At times, I had to, I had to stop. Hmm. It's a Christian story. I'd stop and I'd play some Christian music and I'd play a game or something, anything just to to get away from the intensity of it. Mm. Yeah, this is a really relevant topic right now. I can see how the COVID pandemic encouraged you to get this out. 
it really it's almost like okay this is a time to really do something with his story you know mm. that you've had for so long absolutely i did a lot of other things i'm a christian clown and i work for i didn't work i was volunteer with hospice and i did all that and it's almost like god said okay it's time for the book it's like okay and i was writing it and the one that precedes this one i finished last year when the virus hit and it's like, whoa, <laughs> this is really scary. What is going on here? Wow. You said there are Christian themes in here. So is it primarily a Christian audience that you were after here? No, no, anybody could read it. It's just that it's uh, two doctors. It's father and daughter. Or her husband has died from the virus. But they're trying to make their way back from uh, Florida, where a uh, Category 5 hurricane hit and wiped out the lab they had been working on and released this virus. So they're coming home to Maryland, and in the beginning of the story, they arrive home finally, just the father and daughter. The husband has died, and they're trying to come up with a vaccine at least. They're doctors, and this is what she had always worked in. He worked in the uh, in the hospital that was located where they were coming back to. Well, I worked in a lab, so I have a science background, 30 years in environmental chemistry, and which some people have said, you know, when I tell them I'm selling the book and my background, they'll say, whoa, a book from a scientist. Yes, but I'm also a Christian. I mean, I teach Sunday school and things like that, and I'm a Christian clown. So I was trying to look at a virus from the aspect of a church and how a church reacts. I know how our church has come through all of this and how we're trying to come back. We started services in the church instead of just online. We have Sunday school again, which is just wonderful. Everybody just wants to hug, and it's like, is it safe to hug you? <laughs> <laughs> which my people in the book were doing, you know, they, right, they're having the same problem, you know, is it safe to hug? And sometimes you really just need a hug from somebody. Mm. So it's not meant just for Christians. Anybody even out there that feels a little lost right now, so that's mm. about where it is. Anybody <laughs> could read it. But it does have scripture in it at times. Mm. The people are praying. They're asking for help because the college is attacked by mobs. They're up in the mountains looking down at the college below them, and they're, they're praying a lot of times, you know, just for the, the other doctors that are in there working in the hospital, you know, give them the strength to get through all of this. Mm. There's another factor. My protagonist in this book, there are two different ones. There's one in the other series, a younger man. But in this one, he's uh, about 53 or so. It's the doctor. And he has this invention that he and another doctor had come up with. It's an ability to heal without hurting, without hmm. the trauma involved. Hmm. That's the science part of it. Well, it's a doctor, <laughs> but it's also this creature, basically, that he has. He and the creature have established a symbiotic relationship, but he can heal with thoughts because of the energy that this thing gives off. You know, that's the main focus in it. I encourage our listeners to check this book out. It's called That Which Is Forbidden. It's written by D. Jeremy Dorado, and it's published by Christian Faith Publishing. You can find this everywhere that you go shopping for books, like at Amazon and Barnes & Noble and iTunes, traditional brick-and-mortar stores everywhere. Elaine, thank you for joining me here tonight. I had a wonderful time learning about this. Thank you for your wonderful efforts of just reaching out and having a heart to help people. I, I just had a really nice time talking. Oh, thank you. Well, listeners of the show are going to be really happy to know that I'm welcoming back author Weldon L. Haywood. Weldon, thank you for joining me again. Well, thank you so much for having me. Well, congratulations on getting book two of Sham and Shell out there. So can you tell me what readers have in store this time around? 
Well, this time they made their destination to the town they were traveling on the wagon train, and now they're going to explore the land that Sham has inherited from or been granted by the uh, army for his services. And during the book, they're going to find that they're going to meet new characters and new people are going to be introduced. And the little ones, as they are known, Joey and Alice are going to become featured in the book. They're going to take a journey exploring the land that will eventually become the branch that Sham and Shell build together as a couple. Hmm. And for listeners right now who may not be familiar with the setting, uh, the location, time and everything of the story, could you just give us a little background as to what we're looking at? Well, yes, this is a, a love story based right after the Civil War ended. Sham was a sniper in the Army, and he met Shell on a wagon train, and they were both going to the Oregon Territory, a little town in the Oregon Territory. They met, and they fell in love along the way, and now they're going to begin to build their life together as a couple. Now, this is book two, so do you have thoughts about book three? Book three is currently being edited. I have the edited copy of book three. It's already written. Wonderful. It's a five-book series. All five books have been written. I am putting them out six months between each other. So book two is now out and available for readers. Book three will be available towards the end of January. And book four and five will follow. It's a five-book series to tell the whole story of Sham and Shell. It's all been written already, and I'm just putting them out in sequence so that the readers can enjoy them one by one. Mm. That's quite a story. Did you ever have trouble along the way? Did you ever get writer's block or just hit a point where you're like, I just don't know where to go next? I had many of those, actually. (laughs) I mean, it was, I went back and I changed. I had written maybe four or five pages or something, and I went back and totally just threw them out and rewrote the whole scene of how I wanted the story to flow. I knew from the beginning where I wanted to take the story, but there were times when I wrote myself into an area where I couldn't find my way out. And I, I tell people, I say, I've written myself into a, a block. So they say, well, go back and unblock yourself. And I, I would. I'd go back and i say, okay, I know what I'm trying to say and what I want to say. But the way I've said it so far is not working. So rewrite it to where you can continue the story in an interesting and entertaining way that readers will appreciate. That's what I did. Mm. Well, and so much time and hard work goes into writing and, and publishing. So what's it like when you get the first copy of that book in your hands? It is totally exciting. I mean, I feel pride. I feel proud. And really, it brings tears to my eyes because mm. my family, I have seven brothers and sisters, and they always say, just go for it, go for it. You've been writing all your life, and now you're actually writing for others to read it. Don't give up. So it's just a sense of pride and a sense of accomplishment that, in a lot of ways, I can't explain. Hmm. Well, then, like I said, Sham and Shell, the five-book series, takes a lot of time, a lot of energy. But have you thought beyond this about writing more, maybe something different? (laughs) I'm glad you asked that, because... Now that those five books have been written, not all published yet, I've actually started on a a new book. And it's a totally, it's still a Western, certainly Western themed, but it goes from a different direction. Shaman Shell's romance was 
almost instantaneous. The book I'm writing now is still going to be a Western romance, but it's going to evolve over a long period of time. Actually, the two characters are, are going to start out as not enemies, but certainly not having a romance as quickly that butted between Sham and Shell. It's an adventure that I've started writing, and it'll come out, I'll put it out once the other five books of the Sham and Shell series is already published. So yes, I'm, I'm going to continue to write. It's a passion that I have, and it's something that I enjoy doing. Mm, obviously, you're passionate about it, and Weldon, thank you for sharing that passion with the world. I encourage listeners to check this series out. Right now, it's Sham and Shell, book two. It's written by Weldon L. Haywood and it's published by Fulton Books. Of course, you can get this everywhere you go shopping for books like Amazon, Barnes & Noble, iTunes, Google Play, traditional brick-and-mortar stores, everywhere. Weldon, thank you again for coming on the show. It's so nice to talk with you again. I really hope we can do this again for book three. I am looking forward to it, and again, thank you so much. A Hope Made Certain. It's the new novel out by Miranda Lee Mitchell, and I'm really happy that she's right here with me now talking about it. Miranda, thank you for being here. I'm so excited to be here today. Congratulations on getting A Hope Made Certain in stores. Can you tell me all about it? Yes. My novel is about a woman who has been wounded by rejection and divorce. And so she relocates to the Atlantic coast to a more simpler life than what she, what the life that she had in the big city of Charlotte, North Carolina. And in this quiet place, God works on her wounded heart and he shows her love. And he also helps her day by day to heal. And she is strengthened in her spirit and she is strengthened to be able to trust and love again. Mm-hmm. Miranda, where did you get the idea or the inspiration for this story? Well, one day I was sitting at my desk and I was journaling. I started journaling at a really young age. Mm. And then I heard Father God in my spirit mm. to speak to me about taking these journals and turning them into stories for others to read with the purpose of the readers gaining encouragement in their life through the trials that they have experienced themselves. Mm. And what kinds of readers were you thinking of whenever you put this out? Well, the audience I was thinking of was targeted towards basically women who have been rejected and hurt by divorce. However, I have found that my men friends who have read my novel, they really enjoyed it as well. I think it's important for the men to read this novel so that they can understand more of the heart of a woman. And then several people have voiced to me that this story had captivated their attention so much that they just couldn't put it down. And I really would love for all my teenage granddaughters to read my novel as well so that when they experience rejection, that they can know that God will always be right there to love them and to heal their wounded hearts. And the title of Hope Made Certain can assure my audience that there is hope for them for a brighter future, just like Jeremiah 29, 11 says that God, you know, for I know the plans that I have for you, says the Lord, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, and the plans to give you a hope in the future. And that's one of the verses that God had constantly put in my spirit while I was healing from my own wounds. Hmm. What are the chances that we'll see a sequel in the future? Oh, absolutely. My sequel has already been written. Mm. I'm just trying to get it typed up and get it into a, a manuscript form so that I can send it to my publisher, Christian Faith Publishing. Prior to A Hope Made Certain, have you ever done anything like this when it comes to writing or publishing? 
just in college when I was attending Winthrop University in Rock Hill, South Carolina. I was in a, a writing class. So those stories that I wrote for my professors, that was the only writing I had ever done besides my journaling. I mean, I've been journaling since I was like 11 years old. And was the writing and publishing process something that took a long time for you? I actually started this work back in 2009. And at the time, I really did not know how to get myself published. So when I started back to school in 2011, it just kind of got thrown into my box that I have all my journals in. And then, and it took me about two years to write it. And then about 2015, the Lord just started nudging at my heart that I needed to do something about it, that I needed to take that work that I spent so much time on and do something with it. And then one day, my spiritual mom, she told me about Christian Faith Publishing. And so I went online and looked them up, and I really, really was excited about what they were willing to do. So I got in touch with them because I already had the manuscript typed all up. And I sent them, you know, four consecutive chapters. And then they called me back within a week and was interested in, in my manuscript. And so I sent them the whole thing. The name of the book is A Hope Made Certain. It's written by Miranda Lee Mitchell and it's published by Christian Faith Publishing. Of course, you can find this everywhere that you pick up your books, like at Amazon and on Barnes & Noble, at iTunes, and down the street at your local bookstore. Miranda, thank you again for joining me tonight. I had such a wonderful time talking. Well, thank you very much, Corey, and I'm so grateful to be a part of your show. Broken Church, Nation Divided, A Biblical Worldview. This is the new book that's out in stores now, and it's written by Stan Rogers, and I'm talking with Stan right now here at the Reader House Author Roundtable. Stan, thank you so much for joining me tonight. Well, it's great to be here. Congratulations on getting your book out. Can you tell me all about Broken Church, Nation Divided? Well, uh, as the title would suggest, our nation, the United States of America, is divided, polarized in a way that I think we're uh, approaching critical mass and uh, very concerned about it. If I go backwards on the title, Back to Broken Church, I believe it's because the church in America over the last several decades has lost its way. It's become a superficial and kind of a social organization. And that's because we've disconnected from the power source, which is God through his word, through the Bible. It's just kind of dumbed down the gospel. And so the purpose of the church in America for the government, as far as the government goes, is that it's important that the church provide the moral fabric of the people of America so that we can sustain the constitutional republic that we are. And I believe, and I, my conclusion in the book is that we need to individually, as individual members of the body of Christ, we need to connect with God more intimately on a daily basis and uh, reconnect with the power source of God. It's kind of like the church has been depressurized, like mm. if you were in an airliner flying from Los Angeles to uh, New York and the cabin becomes depressurized, what happens is the air is not dense enough to support and sustain life. So an oxygen mass drops out of the ceiling and you're instructed by the flight instructor to connect with that mass so that you can sustain life. And I kind of feel like that's the way it is with the church in America. It's been depressurized and we as individual Christians need to take on the responsibility to connect directly with God through prayer on a daily basis, but also through reading God's word and pouring it into our hearts. Stan, is this a book that took you a long time to write? Well, it was about six and a half years, and I began mm -hmm. writing it as a series of essays. 
just out of a desire to understand myself with what was going on. I, I knew there was a problem. There was a dissonance in my heart, and I knew that God was the answer, but I didn't know quite how to put it together. So I started writing these essays just to help me to understand what it is that I need to do. So over a course of about five years, I had about 50 or 60 essays, and my wife said, well, why don't you put it together in a form of a book and uh, see if you can't get it published? And so here we are. Now, looking down the road, do you have plans to write more and publish more? Yes, I, I write constantly just out of a need to understand what's happening. And as I read the Bible daily on a daily basis, God feeds me with new information. And I find new treasures in the Bible every day. And I'm always inspired to write something. So I'm constantly writing. And I have several things. I haven't really put it into a form of a book yet. And there's nothing like seeing that finished product. What was that moment like for you when you got the first copy of Broken Church, Nation Divided in your hands? Well, it was like crossing a finish line, like mm. I actually said. It took six <laughs> and a half years. So, Stan, now that you look back over that six and a half years it took to put this book together, what's the most rewarding aspect of being a published author? Well, it's just part of the journey. I, I started, my journey really began 13 years ago when I, start, when I started to read the Bible, cover to cover every year. You know, I picked up a Bible at a local bookstore and it had, in the back, it has a plan for reading the Bible in a year. So I started to follow that plan 13 years ago. So now I've done it every year for 13 years. And it's just uh, really such a blessing to me of all the things that God has spoken in my heart. So I just want to share that with everybody. And, and it's just, just a part of the journey to get this book out there. Mm. I encourage our listeners to check this book out. It's called Broken Church, Nation Divided, A Biblical Worldview. It's written by Stan Rogers, and it's published by Christian Faith Publishing. Of course, you can find this everywhere that you shop for your books, like at Amazon and Barnes & Noble, iTunes, and traditional brick-and-mortar stores. Stan, thank you again for joining me tonight. I had a great time talking with you. Thank you, Corey. I really appreciate this. It's a race against time in the new novel by James Eklund. It's out right now. It's called Dark Voltage. I'm really happy that James is here with me now. James, thank you for joining me tonight. Yeah, my pleasure, Corey. Thank you. This novel sounds really exciting. Can you tell me what it's all about? Well, yeah, it's, a, it's an interesting book. It's probably a little different from most, but primarily it is a book. It's a crime fiction story that kind of travels internationally. The book basically features a technical part that gets stolen and travels to many places. Interestingly, though, every time the part changes hands and moves to a new location, there is a murder involved. Hmm. So the tension builds and a police task force is formed, headed by a kind of a semi-retired New York police detective. And he puts an unlikely team of folks together. They come from FBI, Interpol, Homeland Security, and they're on the trail to track this part down. So the interesting thing about the part is that it's not a big part. It's not really a difficult or interesting. It's an interesting part, mostly because it has the possibility of bringing the world's largest gas-fired electrical generating system in the world to its knees. Mm. So the company that manufacture it has alerted the police to this factor that this could be an, an absolute disaster if the part gets into the wrong hands. Mm. 
James, you got to tell me, where'd you get the idea for this? Where did all this come from? <laughs> well, I traveled a great deal with my career, and this particular scenario, I did get involved with a program where my client was bidding on a project to build the world's largest oil-fired electrical plant. Wow! So I got very close to the project and uh, went through bid processes, and I got more and more involved in it as it went along. So I got pretty familiar with the project overall, even though my client at the end never won the bid. It went somewhere else. But because of the nature of it, I guess it was very limited folks who could possibly bid on the project. There were only about 13 companies in the world that actually had the capability of building this project. It was a pretty detailed operation. Wow. So did this take you a long time to write and then publish? <laughs> well, it's my first book. So, yes, I struggled and I fought and I, you know, pounded the table and I did a lot of things. I knew I wanted to write the book, but I had never written before. I'd never been considered a writer. I've written corporate material, reports and project stuff and business plans and things like that, but I've never written any fiction. So it was very different for me. So I started and I just sat down and I started pounding on my keyboard. Oh, I loved what I was doing. I was I was so enamored with you know my choice of words and the then the way everything was flowing. I was thought, wow, this is a lot easier than I thought. And after I got probably five thousand words into it, I contacted a publisher just to give me some advice and counsel, which was really good advice, but it caused me to rewrite 5,000 wow. <laughs> words. So it, I was uh, energized, but I was on the wrong path for writing a novel. Mm. So I dug in and I started all over again. You want to know how long it took me? I took a lot of breaks during a book. I'd mm. take a couple of weeks off or I'd take a month off or I'd take and then go back and write some more. So it probably took me a year to write to get to a finished document. And then it took another nine months to publish it. You were certainly wise to seek out guidance and wisdom from those who had more experience and had been down this road before. So, James, now, what advice could you offer to those who are just starting out? You know, I'm no expert, but I did learn a lot along the way. And I would say, number one is perseverance. Mm -hmm. You know, you just have to stay with it. Even if you feel paper bound, you really need to plow through it and adjust as you go. Certainly, I found a good deal of research was much more than I realized it was going to be. Mm. I also learned a lot about myself in this process, because once you put something down on paper, it's like a conviction. It's like, do I believe that? Do I really think that <laughs> or, or do I not? And it makes, makes me second guess myself. Mm. So that was a pretty big learning experience for me. I encourage our listeners to check this novel out. It's called Dark Voltage. It's written by James Eklund, and it's published by Newman Springs Publishing. Of course, you can get this everywhere you buy your books, like Amazon and Barnes & Noble and iTunes, traditional brick-and-mortar stores everywhere. James, thank you again for being on the show here with me tonight. I had a really great time talking. Yeah, I did as well. Thank you very much for this opportunity. I'd like to welcome author Rebecca Bandy to the Reader House Author Roundtable. Rebecca, thank you so much for joining me here tonight. Yes, thank you so much for having me. Congratulations on having a new book out right now. It's called Excuse Me, Peace, But I Must Get In There. Uh, can you tell me what this is about? 
Oh, it is about searching for a sense of peace in the midst of this crazy, chaotic world, mm -hmm. this life that we have, right? Mm -hmm. On that journey, I found a peace, an escape into God's presence. And it just seemed like I was running from all, whether the pandemic or searching for a career or trying to complete college or fighting, you know, through recovery, whatever it was that I was going through this crazy, chaotic sense of just physical realm that there was this hidden peace that was obtainable even for just a normal girl in the presence of God. And it was just amazing. It wasn't easy to find, but it was something that I had to search for in the midst of each thing that came at me. Hmm. Rebecca, did you have a certain group of readers that you were reaching out to when you wrote this? Honestly, anyone who <laughs> who is a real person, mm. you know, whether you're a mother, whether you're a college student, you know, whether you're career born and in your uh, midst of your career, I believe everybody's searching for something outside of where, where they're at. Mm. And just knowing that it was obtainable for me, I know that it's obtainable for others. How easy was this for you to write? Was this difficult being that it was such a personal story? You know, it actually came very freeing. It was really quick from start to finish. I know they say dynamite is in small packages. Mm. It definitely comes with that, that dynamite. So no matter where you're at, I believe every reader would benefit in their own personal life to where they could relate. I mean, it doesn't have to be as dramatic as my circumstances or my choices have led me throughout my life. However, it is very refreshing to know that no matter where you find yourself in life, that there is this amazing sense of calm mm. that is way outside of ourselves, but it, it's there and it's awesome. Is this your first book or have you written and published before this? No, this is the first one. Looking to put a few more out in the year to come. So I'm excited. I am a new author. It's been a dream come true, actually. Hmm. What did it feel like then when you got the first copy of this in your hands after all that time and hard work? What were you feeling? Very excited, overwhelmed. And I mean, I did cry. I mean, it, mm. it's a great accomplishment. I don't think being born and then raised and then all of a sudden you're in school and you find yourself wanting to do, you know, what do you, where do you see yourself in the future? I never said, oh, I'd be an author. You know, I always thought about writing books. I love the arts. And I think everyone has a wonderful story to tell. It's just finding that courage to tell it, you know, and then being able to be critiqued or just have others to criticize or to guide. You know, and it makes you very vulnerable, but I believe that we all have a story to tell. And I'm just honored and, and blessed to be able to tell a little bit of mine and, uh, you know, my experience. So thank mm -hmm. you to everyone who's read it. And, you know, it's I've read it three times. I lived it, but I still read it three times and still came away with something fresh. So now having gone through this for your very first time, what advice would you give to those authors listening right now who are just starting out? Don't hold back. Just do it. There's people out there, your publishers are out there, they're out there to help you, to critique you, they're out there to guide you. Just do it. Mm. Chalk it up, put it out there, and being vulnerable is probably the most amazing position that a person can be in because it allows you to grow. Mm. So we can only grow through these circumstances and these amazing opportunities. Mm. You mentioned having other books in the works for the future. Are those along the same lines as, excuse me, peace, but I must get in there, or are you exploring other things? 
Well, I have one mental health in me that I believe that is going to be a great tool to help others understand just their life and what what does mental health you know mean to them. And that's just being healthy in your mental capacity. So I think that there's a whole realm there. And will my faith be spoken of in that? I think that that will, because that's how you get mentally healthy is just being able to step back from everything that's going on and be able to center your center that gravity on that center core and to be able to have that healthy physical mind, body, spirit, and all come into sync in order to move out through your day. Mm-hmm. I am looking for that to be released, hopefully in the new, near future. The book is called Excuse Me, Peace, But I Must Get In There. It's written by Rebecca Bandy and is published by Christian Faith Publishing. You can find it everywhere that you go shopping for books, like at Amazon and at Barnes & Noble, on iTunes and traditional brick-and-mortar stores. Rebecca, thank you again for being here on the show. I had a really nice time learning about your book and just a great time chatting with you. Yeah, thank you so much for your opportunity. I'd like to welcome author Randy Herbert to the Reader House Author Roundtable. Randy, thank you for joining me tonight. Yeah, thanks for having me. Well, it's really exciting. You have a new book out in stores now. It's called 24-1, What Would America Trade for Bo Bergdahl? Can you tell me all about this? Just my personal account. In 2012, I was deployed with the United States Navy to Afghanistan on a totally separate mission at the time. And I had stumbled across an opportunity to work on a POW situation. POW was also from Idaho, which we'd followed a little bit in the news, you know, being a local also from Idaho. And then obviously you have a chance to kind of get some information on a POW. You kind of put yourself into that project a little bit. Then I was kind of given given a little bit of latitude to work on that along with my other duties. And it just, it basically snowballed right into getting him released. Mm. And the government at the time, most intelligence agencies in the military that were looking for him were really at a stalemate with getting him released. So somehow with God's help, we bridged that gap. What sorts of readers were you thinking about whenever you were writing this? You know, really, I think anybody that's obviously related to the military, police, also any anybody that wants to under or knows God's plan, you know, it was not my extraordinary negotiating skills that got him released. It was God's plan. And so anybody, you know, that knows God or, you know, goes to church, that would be a, a good book for them as well. It really just reinforces for me. It reinforced a lot with God's plan is, is like I said. I was just from Idaho. I was just a guy. And when I got deployed over there to Afghanistan to work on that, not specifically work on that, but fall right smack dab into the middle of it and then given complete carte blanche to do whatever I needed to do, which had me a little nervous because I wasn't sure the government was, I wasn't sure what their play was because really there were some things at play that they don't ever let somebody just do what they want to do. But we did that and we got him released. It wasn't me. It wasn't the Navy. It was just God's plan to bring a guy from Idaho, from southeastern Idaho, to Afghanistan. And I wasn't even selected to go to Afghanistan at the time. A friend of mine was going. He was nervous about going alone. So my master chief had said, hey, talk to Randy. He'll go with you. Wow. And so it wasn't even a mission I was slated to go to. Then, like I said, falling smack dab in the middle of that, getting it done with zero resistance. I mean, it was it was God's plan. Wow. Is this a book that took you a long time to write and then get through the publishing process? Well, <laughs> it's an interesting process. I didn't know anything about it. This, I'm a first-time author. The material for the book was easy. For me, it was an actual account. So it was easy to just go through and, and remember all of that. It wasn't something that you easily forgot. As I had written the book, it took longer probably to get it edited several times, you know. Yeah. I have a tendency to type like I talk, and there was a lot of errors that way. But 
once it was all put together, I had to send it to the Department of Defense for review, and they kept mm. it for three and a half years. Wow. So they were my biggest obstacle. They quoted me three weeks, turned out to be three and a half years. My understanding, it was a congressional hearing. I had to get a hold of a congressman to get it back. It was taking so long. So thanks to those guys who helped get that book back. But three and a half years, and they went and edited it. And I guess their process was a little different. For instance, if the Federal Bureau of Investigation was quoted in the book, then they got a chance to read the book and say, well, he can't put that in there. CIA, DIA, Army, Navy. Everybody that was involved got a chance to say, well, we don't want that in there. We got to reword it. So the White House Publication Office kind of would take stuff out and re-edit it for me. And it was a little bit different, but that was the biggest obstacle was, was them. Christian Faith Publishing was a publishing company that I had initially contacted when I was writing the book. I had a manuscript, and when I found out I couldn't share the manuscript without it being vetted first by the government, they were like, absolutely, we'd be happy to read it. Let us know. And they stood by me for three and a half years. They would, with a casual email, respond back and say, how's your manuscript coming? I'm like, I'm still, I'm still out there. I don't know. But they would check in with me. And so a quick plug to them, fantastic group of people to work with, very patient. When I got that returned, when I got the manuscript returned, of course, that was the first ones that I reached out to. And they said, well, we have to read it and make sure that that's something that we can publish. And so it was a little bit of a kind of a stunned moment for me, like, what, this isn't automatic. I mean, everything <laughs> that we've been through, this isn't automatic. So they read it and they had their editors read it. They, I guess, unanimously decided to take it on. And so fantastic group of people to work with. I encourage our listeners to check this book out. It's called 24-1, What Would America Trade for Bo Bergdahl? This is written by Randy Herbert, and it's published by Christian Faith Publishing. Of course, you can find this everywhere that you go shopping for books like Amazon and Barnes & Noble, iTunes, and traditional brick-and-mortar stores. Randy, thank you again for coming by the show and for all your hard work on this really, really important book. I hope we can talk again soon. Hey, thank you very much, and God bless. There's a touching story in the new book by Nancy Tuill. It's called Jesus Lives in Texas. I'm really happy to be talking with Nancy here right now at the Reader House Author Roundtable. Nancy, thank you for joining me tonight. Thank you for having me, Corey. Can you tell me all about Jesus Lives in Texas? So this, this was a labor of love for my grandchildren. We really did. We moved from New York to Texas and, you know, with everything in the world and the values and we just needed something, you know, bringing it back to what's important, saying your prayers at night and talking to your grandparents. And it just was something that I just had to do. Hmm. About how long did this take you to put together? I would say I had the idea, but it probably took me about three months. And what kinds of readers do you think would really be into it? You know, I think any child can read it. I think adults, I've sent it out to some of my friends, and they even just love reading it. It, it makes you happy. It makes you smile. Any child from baby all the way up. I mean, really, I wouldn't put an age on it. I suppose it's for little children, but everybody has said that it just makes them think of Jesus. Mm. That's really what I wanted. The first thing that caught my eye about the book was the cover. And it's illustrated by Gus Tuwill. So could you tell me about that? That's my husband. Mm. We both sort of semi-retired from New York. My husband had a little 99-cent store, and I worked in Manhattan. And we said, you know, we always wanted to do something together. And he loves drawing. I love writing. And we had the time. And we said, this is what we're doing. We're, we're doing this labor of love. It's coming forward. And we just sat down. And each and every illustration was carefully worked out. We knew what we wanted, how we wanted to do it. We didn't want someone else to illustrate it. We really mm. wanted it to be exactly what we wanted. I was really happy with it because we did all of it. Every single word, every single picture. 
I love it. That's wonderful. <laughs> Have you ever done anything like this before when it comes to writing or publishing? No, I didn't. This is my first, but I used to write. I did creative writing. I wrote poems, but I never, ever put, never even thought to do this or put it in a book or I've had people tell me, oh, you know, you, you really, you really have ideas. You should put them down. And now that we're here and we have the time, I'm going to do more because I really enjoyed it. That's wonderful to get your first book out there. Congratulations. Oh, what Thank did it feel you. like whenever you got to hold that first one in your hands? Oh, I can remember that there was a knock on the door. The books were in this huge box. I opened it. I was touching it. I was holding it. I was hugging it. We were screaming, jumping up and down. <laughs> <laughs> it was wonderful. It was mm. wonderful. Nancy, do you have any words of advice now that you could offer to authors who are just starting out as well? I say, if you have an idea... Start to write it down, even if it's, you know, in your notebook, on your phone, write something down, think about it. Then the next day, think about something else. And before you know it, it flows out. You know what you want to say. You want the message. Just do it. Just sit down, write the first sentence or write the idea down. Look at it, leave it on the table and say, I'm going back to this. I'm doing it because it's something I, I want to tell the story and I want other people to smile and enjoy it. And that's what I wanted at the end of the book, the last page. When I give it to somebody and I watch them read it and they smile, that's what it's all for. Hmm. Have you talked to Gus about maybe doing this again, maybe writing another book like this? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. I started it. I, start, I started writing something and I told him, okay, you better get, these are the pictures I need. So you better, you better start getting it in your head. So now he's thinking, he's looking, he's creating. I said, okay, we're sitting down, but I have the next idea. And so start practicing on those illustrations again. <laughs> Now, I encourage our listeners to check this book out. It's called Jesus Lives in Texas. It's written by Nancy Tuwill, and it's published by Christian Faith Publishing. You can find this everywhere that you go shopping for books, like at Amazon and at Barnes & Noble on iTunes and traditional brick-and-mortar stores, too. Nancy, thanks again for stopping by the show. I had a wonderful time talking with you. Thank you, Corey. I so enjoyed it. There's a new book out by Debbie Bennett. It's called Riley's Story. Secrets Revealed Bring Truth, Love, and Hope. I'm really happy to be talking with Debbie about it here right now at the Reader House Author Roundtable. Debbie, thank you for joining me here tonight. Well, thank you for letting me. <laughs> Can you tell me what you've written about in Riley's story? It's a young woman who has lived in the foster care system her whole life. Mm. And it's her journey of discovery and the words and things that have been said to her her whole life, how everything changes when she discovers through other people's lives and some secrets that have never been told come to light. So it's, it's quite an intriguing story from the very first sentence. Debbie, can you think back to where you got the idea or the inspiration for this? Well, it's come through really life experience with other people's lives. We've been involved in the child welfare system probably most of our married life, mm. which is almost 50 years. And just watching, being aware of things, but it was never a plan of mine to do this. I just was at my computer on Christmas break of 2018 from school, and this just started coming out, pouring out. And then it sat for a while. I wasn't sure. It was almost kind of scary. Like, what is happening? <laughs> <laughs> it's been quite a journey to almost a year and a half mm. of getting pieces and parts of the puzzle and just putting it down. It's, it's been an amazing story. What kinds of readers do you think would really be into this? 
I think anybody. My son is a doctor, pastor, and of course does not read Christian romance fiction novels. <laughs> and he just finished it and he was amazed at the story. And that really said to me that, okay, I think anybody, you know, teenagers to a hundred can find, not just enjoy the story, but be challenged in their own life. And it's amazing. Mm. I had not, of course, read the whole thing through like a regular reader. And when I did, I ended up in tears. I thought, I didn't do this myself. The Lord had to help with this book. Oh, wow. (laughs) Debbie, have you ever done anything like this before? Have you ever written or, or been published? Yes. I have a devotional book that was published. Well, we wrote it in 2009 and then really published officially in 2012. And then I have a couple other books that have not been published. Um, I've kind of been writing since I was a young girl. It's just a joy that I enjoy doing. But never, I've been to some writers' conferences and people would say, the a novel will just write itself. And I thought, how? But now I know. Because mm. <laughs> <laughs> it did. It just, it would just come. In fact, the one summer of 2019, I got a whole section of the book. I just was writing on a legal pad. And then the Lord said, set that aside. You'll know when to put it into the book. And I was, I would almost get not of anxiety, but like, what in the world? This is amazing to me. (laughs) Mm. Do you have any words of advice now that you could give to the authors listening to us who are just starting out? Well, not to be afraid for one thing and to not think that you can't do it. I don't have a college degree. I am just, I've been a housewife, a mother, and have worked for years in schools as a secretary. And anybody can do it. And if you get a good thought and an idea, just start jotting things down because you never know it might come together as an incredible story that will touch someone's life. And that's, I guess, my goal for the book is that if it helps anybody, if it speaks to a heart and helps them move forward in their journey of life, then that's an amazing purpose for this book. Mm. The book is called Riley's Story. Secrets Revealed Bring Truth, Love, and Hope. It's written by Debbie Bennett, and it's published by Christian Faith Publishing. You can find this everywhere that you go shopping for books like Amazon, Barnes & Noble, iTunes, and traditional brick-and-mortar stores. Debbie, thank you again for stopping by the show. I had such a wonderful time talking with you. Well, thank you for the privilege to do this. (laughs) We hope you enjoyed this edition of the Reader House Author Roundtable where authors from all walks of life come together to discuss the trials, tribulations, and triumphs of publishing their books. We hope to see you back here every Friday night at 8 p.m. or listen anytime via podcast at Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, and PodServe, to name just a few. The Author Roundtable is sponsored by Reader House Online Bookstore, where independent new authors come first. 